let us pray. We bow low before the God of heaven and earth. We bow low before the one who created all of us. We bow low before you because of your grace, your kindness. We bow low before you because we can experience all these amazing things in our worship service. People with so much gift, skill, that come to serve you as we all came. We bow low before you because you are God and we are not. We bow before you because we know you are not done with this world, our country, and your kingdom's story. I ask, O Lord, that as I need to preach a more difficult sermon today, that you will also help me as I need to proclaim the word of God from the story of Joshua. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. So this pastor decided he wants to see how things are going in his Sunday school. So he popped into one of his Sunday school classes. And it was probably like middle school kids sitting there. And he said, okay, so who knocked down the walls of Jericho? Silence. He said, Billy, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? Billy said, pastor, I really do not know, but it wasn't me. So the pastor was called out and he had to leave the Sunday school class. And then in that week, he saw one of his elders. He said to his elder, I'm really concerned. The elder said, why? He said, I asked Billy who knocked down the walls of Jericho. And he, his answer was, it wasn't him. And the, and the elder said, Pastor, Billy is a really good kid. You know, and I know his parents. I don't think he would have knocked the walls down. But Pastor, I think we've got money in our buildings and grounds fund that if it's needed, we can fix the, the walls if necessary. Now, this is a stupid story to tell that most people do not know the stories of the Bible. But it works as a joke because everybody knows the story of Jericho and the walls that came down. The world knows the story of Jericho. You know, Google Jericho and walls, and you will see there are bands named after the walls of Jericho and after the story that we find in the Bible. So at last, we are here. I started like two months ago, if not more, preaching from the book of Joshua, and everybody thought, we're going to start with Jericho and the walls, and we are now months in, and we now eventually got to the story today. The book of Joshua, and God's will for his people. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have handed Jericho over to you along with its king's soldiers. You shall march around the city, all the warriors circling the city once. Thus you shall do for six days with seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, the priests blowing the trumpets. Seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout! That's exactly what he sang. The Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers that were sent. As for you, keep away from the things devoted to destruction, so as not to covet or take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel an object of destruction, bringing trouble upon it. All silver, gold, vessels of bronze, iron, sacred to the Lord, shall go into the treasury of the Lord. It's a bit of a strange story, this. People have tried to disprove the story many times. Uh, when we were in Israel a few months ago, I, we couldn't go to Jericho for a reason. But many years ago, many, many years ago, 
when Luis and I were there, that was in the BC era, before COVID and cell phones and children and all those things, um, we could get to Jericho. And they are still doing excavation work to see, and they actually found that the walls did fall down on the outside. What a strange story. Why the story in the Bible? It's a story not only for Israel, it's a story for all the people during the time that Israel was on their track and on establishing themselves. But it's also a story for us sitting here in 2020, telling us that God is on His way with His mighty acts with His church through the story of people. In the Old Testament, Israel actually had to represent the people of God so people would know who God is. Now it's the church, our task to do this. And God wants to tell us, guys, I am with you guys. And whatever is needed for me to be able to do my work, I will do. I will do miracles. And God has done amazing miracles in the lives of his, life of his church. And I think for some of us, in amazing ways. It's a story of human participation because God could have just knocked down Jericho, destroyed all the people, sent in a plague, all died. But God said, no, you are a part of this. You had to walk around this thing and then eventually seven times around the city and then shout and whatever. So they had to do their little part in what, they, what God wanted to give them. When I started this series, I said, God is taking us to His promised places. Not only place, but places. God is taking all of us to His promised places because God wants, us to, wants to bring us to places that are great for us. In your relationship, in your in yourself, in your workspace. All of these promised places that we have that God said, I want to bless you there. God is bringing us there. And sometimes He will do amazing things that we may see and sometimes not. But there's always our part that we need to play and that's what the story tells me. But it's also then a story of obedience that's asked. Joshua said to the people, leave the stuff that you are going to find in the city alone. It is not for you. Let it go. And there's the story of Rahab, that she and her family actually were spared, because that was the promise that was made to her by the spies, and, and the story continues to say she and her family were spared, because that is who God is. God keeps His promises with all people that are involved in His kingdom work, and if you are true to Him, He will answer His promise. We are done with Jericho. We're done. The walls came down. They took the cities over. But the story is not done. There's a different story that follows the story of Jericho. Israelites broke faith with regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi and Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the Israelites. So, about 3,000 of the people went up there and they fled before the men of Ai. Now, let me just say this. I can't read all of this that's in chapter 7. This is your homework. I just took a few verses. And it's a lot already. Scott said, wow, that's a biblical church with a lot of scripture reading. The men of Ai killed about 36 of them, chasing them from the outside the gate as far as Shebarim, killing them on the slope. The hearts of the people, that's the Israelites, belted. And turned to water, Joshua tore his clothes, fell on the ground before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, oh Lord God, why have you brought this people across the Jordan to all? To hand us over to the Amorites so as to destroy us? Would that have been content to settle beyond Jordan? Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. 
Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I imposed on them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have acted deceitfully. They have put them among their own belongings. Proceed to sanctify the people. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow's. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. There are devoted things among you, O Israel. You'll be unable to stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things. And Achan answered Joshua, It is true, I am the one who sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did when I saw among the spoiled beautiful mantle from Shinar and two shekels of silver, a bar of gold, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. Now they lie hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Go and read the story. Please read the story. Why did you bring this trouble upon us, Joshua asked. The Lord is bringing trouble on you today, and all Israel stoned them and raised over him a great heap, oh, and they burned him with fire, cast stones on them, and raised over them a great, great, great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. The AI disaster. Jericho. So easy. So easy. They shouted and they got the city. Eight AI, AI, 36 people killed. They had to flee before a small settlement. Because it was actually not a city or a big town even. It was a small settlement that was sort of in the hill country of Israel. And their hearts turned to water. It melted because they knew they were alone. They knew they were defeated from outside, but also from inside. What was the problem? Eichan, or Eichan. Did you see what it says? Israel have sinned. Israel have devoted things. Israel this, Israel this, and one guy. One guy. One guy, but broke, broke the law. One guy, when he saw everything that was presented to him, decided it was so beautiful, it distracted him, and eventually decided that nobody is seeing what he's doing. He can take it and he can hide it in his tent because nobody has a clue what he did. That's many times the problem with sin. You think that nobody knows, but God knows. Eventually destruction and trouble came not only upon him, but on the whole of Israel. What did Joshua do? Joshua did what we normally do. When things start to go wrong, we blame God for it. God, why are you doing this to us? God, look what trouble we are in now because the world is going to see that we can't really defeat the small settlement that you bring us all the way from Egypt to destroy us here. What is your plan with us? And time and time again when I speak to people or I listen to people and things start to go wrong, the first thing they do is they blame God. So why are we in this situation? But they don't ever look at themselves. It's a story of disobedience. So, what does this all say to us sitting in 2020? You know the stories well that I've just referred to now. And what does these stories want to teach me living in America in the year 2020? What it tells me that if I read my Bible, I discover a God that really loves us and cares for us. I discover a God that wants to be involved in our lives because He could have left us alone. I discover a God, and I had a new membership class this morning, and I, 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 I sort of shared it with them also, a God that wants to get us back into the garden. And the garden means to be back in His presence. 
God wants us to be close to Him that He can take care of us and protect us and provide for us. God's intention with us is not to destroy, not to harm, not to hurt. God is the opposite of what the Bible teaches me. God is a God of love. God is a God that actually loves every single human on this planet. He doesn't care where you are from, how you look, how, what language you speak. God says, you are my creation, therefore I love you. And I care for you. But God is also a God of obedience. You see, that's the problem in this world at this point, is that people want to talk about the love of God. They want to talk about the salvation that we find in Christ Jesus. They want to talk about the grace of God, but they never want to talk about obedience. Maybe I shouldn't go there now, maybe for another day, but our General Assembly is taking place in this, during this week in, in Louisville, Kentucky. The most important meeting for our denomination so I've been following it during the week, and what I've discovered, some, there's a lot of talk about righteousness and about social issues and about a lot of things, but nothing about the kingdom of God, faith, and obedience. Nothing. But God has a right to ask us some stuff, isn't it? Because He's God. Why are we the only ones that can ask of Him to serve us, but He's not allowed to ask me to serve Him? So I'm going to tell you a different story, a newer story, a story that may sound familiar because you have heard some of these stories. So this mom and dad had to go away for a week, and they've got two children living at their house, 17 and 18 years old, two boys. And they said, we are leaving. Will you please take care of our house? It's a nice house. It's a great house. Please take care of our house. We'll be gone only for a week. The parents, was, they were just out the door, and these two boys decided to throw a party, and they put it on Facebook. And the Saturday evening or whatever evening, hundreds of kids showed up. And the kids heard in the house how things were being broken and things fell and, and there was drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff. Everything went bad with this huge party that these kids were having at this house because these kids, ah, freedom. Eventually the neighbors called the cops and the cops came and it was a disaster. And one of the boys was actually trying to clean up some of the drugs and stuff there. The cops came, for him, came in and they arrested him and some others. The parents came back. They visit their son in prison. He said, Mom, Dad, can you please bring me home? That's all I asked for. This is a terrible place. I don't want to be here. Dad, bring me home. And his dad looked at me and he said, I'm so sorry, this is now your home. Prison. I can't get you out. I can't get you out. You are here because of a decision that you have made, and I can't change that decision anymore. I love you dearly. And we will forgive you for your stupidity and what you guys have done, but you will be in prison now. Because that's the consequence of the decision you guys made to throw this party. So what happened in the story? The children live at a house that the parents provided for them, and they say, just hang out with us and be good and great, and you can experience what we have given you. And the children made a decision that actually caused harm not only to them, but to the house, but also to the parents. So now we stand before God, and God says to me, Ferdy, you are my child. I want you to be part of my kingdom. My kingdom is way bigger than your life. Your life is important to me, but my kingdom stretches over time and over this universe. Not only our planet, but the universe. 
and I would like you to be a part of my journey and my plan, but further I may ask of you to obey me. Because if you do not, you know what's going to happen? Three things. My name will be harmed and hurt. Imagine now Ferdinand is sitting there next to Louise. Messes up this week, as he's done every week. I'm just kidding. My son knows I'm going to do this. But let's say Ferdinand, for some reason, did do something really stupid. How can I, as the dad, hide from that? It will come back to us as a family. To my mother, who's 94, living in South Africa, oh, this is what you said, grandchild did. God says the moment when you step outside of my will, you start to do stupid things. My name is at risk. Because people look at me as God, and they say, are you the God we thought you were? Because look at what your kids are doing. The second thing that will happen is my kingdom will be harmed. And that's what the story of Israel tells us in the story of AI. The Lord came and he said to Joshua, Hey, Joshua, Israel, have sinned. Joshua never at the end said to the Lord, It wasn't us, it was Achan. Because he knew there's a responsibility from the family to make sure that the others don't mess up. We are co-responsible for each other. The family of God will be harmed if one messes up. That's true of any family. It's true of the church and of the church family. If we, are, if we have someone in the congregation that's trying to, to create division or trying to cause disruption, the whole body will start to suffer. And that's what Paul is saying in Corinthians. He says, if one part of the body starts to struggle or suffer, then the whole body is in pain. That's what happened here. The Lord said, Israel, you guys have messed up. Because one of, the, of your members did this thing. And the third thing that happens, you yourself. You yourself. And the problem is, and, and, um, and that's what happens when we are disobedient to God, we start to struggle. Do you know what sin is? Sin is trying to tell God, I can do life without Him, without God. Sin is telling God, thank you, but no thank you. I've got it. Sin is saying to God, I think I'm okay, and whatever you say to me, I know the best. You don't need to be involved in my life. And God says, my child, what are you doing to yourself? Because you have no idea. I wrote the manual. I created you. I put you together so I know what will happen if things start to break. You have no idea. Trust me. Trust me. And then we will know. And I'm almost done. That's the problem with sin. We may times think, okay, this is something that Ah, nobody will know. God knows. God knows. He knows all that we are doing. So, my last point there is the consequence. Why is this sermon for me difficult to preach? Because I'm scared sometimes a little bit when I prepare a sermon like this for myself. Because it's so easy to live in this world and not ever think about the consequences of what I do and who I am. Not caring really what God wants me to do because I think I've got it. Not really trying to find out what His will for me is. And even if I know I decide, ah, it's not for me. It's for the guy sitting next to me. This is really not for me. 
And God tells me, and He tells you today, my, my son, I love you dearly, but if you mess up, you will reap the consequences. Let's bring Achan back, and then I'm done. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just forgive us our sins to clean us from our unrighteousness. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. First John. What about Achan? Didn't he confess his sin? He stood before the whole congregation of Israel and said, I did it. I'm the one. And I'm sorry. I think he's still saved. I'm still, he's still, I think he's still saved. He and his family probably. But they still had to die. They still had to die. Because God said, if you do this, you will die. That's the consequence. If God would have said, okay, he said it's okay, then it was, oh, it's, it's a free ride. What God is saying is that he will forgive us our trespasses. He will forgive us our sins, but we are stuck with the consequences of it. And that's what God is trying to protect us from. A person drinks too much, drives down a popcorn violent, hits a tree, wakes up the next day in the hospital. They say, oh, we're so sorry, but, but you were in a terrible accident last night because you hit a tree and we had to amputate both your legs. This guy looks at his bed and there are no feet. There's nothing. And he lies and he says, Lord, I'm so sorry that I drank too much last night because I know that's also a sin to be drunk. Do you think the Lord will forgive him? Absolutely. Will he grow back his legs? Absolutely not. No. He'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life or walk around with prosthetics. And that is what the story teaches me and teaches you. The Bible says we need to live like doves carefully how we respond to things. Satan will try its best to lure us away, to show us devoted things that we say, oh, that's fantastic. This can bring riches and glory and might and all of the things that I want because that's what I can saw fantastic things that could enhance his life and his family. And God said, leave those things alone for a reason. That was not for the nation. That was for God. Later they got what they wanted, but not now. Not now. Trust me, God says, and I will give to you what you want when it's time. Not now. Wait, not now. Live carefully. Seek the will of our Lord. We live in a country where people make decisions for themselves. And I said today to Louise, I'm grateful about the things that the courts decide upon. But to me, it's irrelevant in a sense. Do you know why? It's not about what courts decide. It's about you, what you and I decide when we live our lives in our cubicle, in our house, on the sport field, when we watch TV. That should not be determined by anything or anyone else than the only holy living God and His Word. And He gave us His Word as the guideline, as His direction for us because He's God. And we are not. Amen.